Robert Fielding thought he was having a leisurely breakfast with his wife at a fancy hotel in Baltimore. But things took a turn, and Robert wouldn't survive. And what happened in their suite on the 18th floor would set off a ghostly mystery for the low-budget ghost squad to solve. Well, hi there. This is episode six of our new season at the Lord Baltimore Hotel in Maryland. I'm Natalie. I'm Allison. And guess what? (laughs) I'm Ethan. Well, this low-budget ghost squad came together when we solved a mystery at the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas. And that was season one. And this time we've been telling you about a deadly love triangle at the Lord Baltimore Hotel. And this mystery dates back to 1929. Deadly love triangle. That sounds like a Dateline episode. Or a Lifetime movie. I mean, really, either one. Because you have a dead husband, Robert, who may have been poisoned while eating breakfast in the hotel. A wife, Hannah, who had a boyfriend, Jonathan, who worked at the hotel, which makes it easy when you're trying to cover things up, back in 1929. And both Hannah and Jonathan have been trying to talk to us in the ballroom, where they're still hanging out. The lights are always blinking, but only when we're in there. And Ethan has a new shadow figure friend, who may or may not be friendly. If only he or she would talk to you. They're not my friend, Allison. But it's all happening here at the Lord Baltimore, built in 1928. And this building is tall and big. Supposedly, it took more than 5 million pounds of steel just to build the framework. And if you laid out all the piping, it would run about 40 miles. That's the distance from Baltimore to Washington, D.C. It's seen its share of history. Fancy dinners, debutante balls, a world war... And that was when you could only stay for five days. And then you had to go during the war. Some people who checked in here before the war are still in here and haven't gone. Now, we've made two friends. Christopher, who works here. We seem to always find him in the lobby, if you've noticed. And he gave us what he found in the hotel archives. And it was a security report about the death of Robert Fielding in 1929, which is at the center of our story. But he also gave us a journal his aunt had in a box. You see, he's related to Jonathan. Some multi-great-uncle thing. I don't know. It's a very Ancestry.com. But this journal actually belonged to Hannah. It was found with Jonathan's things when they died. Together. Hit by a trolley in front of the hotel on Christmas Eve, soon after her husband had died. She'd been staring at something in the window and saying Robert's name. Now, in that journal, we found a flyer for a Christmas Eve celebration at the Washington Monument. Now, remember, there's one in Baltimore, which we did not know at the time. Apparently that year, they had what's called an Old English Christmas Eve with trumpeters playing carols, and I guess that might have been fun. But as for her journal entries, one of the final ones was dated December 23rd, the day before she died. She said Jonathan was trying to sell the necklace, and that could only be one necklace. The diamond one that's been missing. The one that Robert's family was desperate to get back after he died. Supposedly of a heart attack. But Hannah had claimed Robert had sold it when the stock market crashed. They didn't believe her because it had been in his family forever. But 
she wrote that she would rather die than give it to his family because they were already snooping around the hotel looking for it. I mean, Hannah had pretty much moved into the Lord Baltimore Hotel because Jonathan was working there and she could totally afford it now that Robert was dead. Now, according to her journal, Jonathan had to go get the necklace from the secret hiding place. That's what she called it. And he went to an area of Baltimore called Fells Point to find a guy who was known to buy stuff when you really don't want a lot of questions asked about it. Let me tell you about Fells Point. It's pretty much the oldest part of Baltimore because it didn't burn during the Great Fire of 1904. We ate dinner next to a building that's been there since 1771. So you can imagine that there are plenty of ghost stories down there. So it was on the water and you had the best shipbuilders who had worked there. And during the War of 1812, you'd had sailors called privateers leave from Fells Point. Now, they were private citizens, but President James Madison said, hey, y'all go on out there and seize those British ships that are coming after us. Because England, you see, had the, like, the world's like, greatest navy at the time. That made the British want to destroy Fells Point. But they didn't. And, did you know, not too far away, the first deaths of the Civil War happened in 1861. You know, things were starting up, and these soldiers from Massachusetts were changing trains close by, and a crowd gathered. That area had many Confederate supporters, so here were Union soldiers in that city. And you can imagine things did not go well. I mean, people threw stones, and then at some point, somebody fired a gun. And all heck broke loose. And in the end, some soldiers and civilians were killed. But Fells Point eventually became a place where some not-so-nice things were going on. Like, illegal things. Like selling liquor. You had speakeasies down there. And really, from what I can tell, some of those bars really weren't so hidden. The city didn't seem to enforce the U.S. liquor laws, so the federal agents had to come in and do that. And Jonathan, our ghost got caught up in that mess that day he went to go sell the necklace. Guy who Jonathan went to see to sell the necklace lived in the hotel boarding house thing. That year, in 1929, the YMCA took it over. It used to be called the Anchorage. This was like a hotel for sailors, and I guess this shady guy who bought shady jewelry lived there too. I can only imagine what it was like in there. But when the YMCA took it over, it had 105 rooms. Anybody staying there had to promise to behave and stay sober. And, yeah, you had to bathe. You know, back then you had to make a rule about that. Now, the place we're talking about eventually became the Admiral Fell Inn, which is around today, and it's on a lot of haunted hotel lists. The oldest part of the building dates back to 1770. Many people who were sick with the flu during the outbreak in 1918 came here to stay when it was the Anchorage. We didn't find a record of how many people died in there, but I mean, you can only imagine. So, the ghost stories. These people woke up one night because their dog was barking in their hotel room. They saw a sailor sitting at their window ledge, and then he vanished. Now, other people have reported seeing a woman who looks like a nurse, and she has some sort of medical chart with her. I mean, 
I wouldn't cross her. But I have to say, according to the book Haunted Fells Point, a guy who claimed to have seen her then saw her in an album of historical photos from the hotel. She had been working there during the flu epidemic. And others have heard what sounds like a loud party going on when there wasn't anyone there. They had actually evacuated the hotel because of a hurricane. And remember those people who claimed their dog alerted them to a ghost sailor guy? Well, they also claimed that their dog one time was barking and wanted out of the room, so they put him on a leash and started walking. And the dog led them to a tiny area where the founder of Fells Point, Edward Fell, is buried. And some say they'd seen him walking along the cobblestone streets nearby. We actually recorded that in front of the Fell family gravesite because, you know, it kind of sounded cool. So now you know. So, back to the place where Jonathan had come to sell this necklace to some shady guy. The guy tried to steal it from Jonathan instead, so Jonathan knocked him out with the lamp and ran out. At least that's what Hannah wrote in her journal. But when he came out of the building, some local guys had held up a big truck that was carrying beer. And it had been confiscated from one of the bars because, again, it was illegal to have it, so they were having to steal it. Jonathan joined in to try to blend in because he didn't know if that shady jewelry guy was after him. All he knew was that he was desperate to get back to Hannah, who was at the Lord Baltimore Hotel waiting for him. Now, this was December 23rd, 1929. They would be killed in the trolley accident the very next day. Now, her journal ends with this. He sealed it up. And it may be a while before we can find a way to sell it. Now, while we were talking, we all heard the noise outside the room, but didn't think anything of it. Because, you know, we're at a hotel and there are rooms across the hallway. But I looked out the people anyway, and I saw that security guard, Augustus, walking away. So Mom tries to open the door quietly, but not so quietly so we could see where he goes. But that didn't work. It just gets his attention. Because it made so much noise. Okay, well, I didn't know, okay, it was going to be that loud. But he said, hello again. And he claimed he was just making his rounds around the hotel. I'd never seen him up there before. Now, I knew we needed to find our friend Clovis again. According to security logs, she and her mom were there after Robert Fielding died in his suite there at the hotel. And I may have suggested that we also needed to go into the ballroom again, you know, just to see, you know, how things are going. Maybe Hannah and Jonathan will communicate with us again. But no one agreed with me about that last idea. In my defense, I was exhausted. And I'd much rather find our 102-year-old friend. I think she's nicer than those ghosts. I mean, she wants us around. Plus, we had a suspicious guard I'd like to avoid. And he seems to, like, hang out where Hannah and Jonathan hang out. And I wanted to find no ghost today. So I went into the ballroom alone. It was quiet. I mean, I'm surprised no one was working in there. You know, there wasn't a cleaning crew around. I walked around and stood in that side parlor where all the strange stuff happens. And I said, 
Jonathan? Hannah? Are you there? Nothing. Not even a blinking light. At least, not yet. So I was waiting on my dad to finish up a phone call, and we were in the lobby, but that's when I looked up at the mezzanine for some reason. You know where we heard those strange voices? I saw the shadow figure up there, and the way his head was turned, it looked like he was looking straight at me. I saw something shiny again like I did when the elevator randomly took me up to the 19th floor, and the shiny thing was on the shadow guy. But he wasn't really a shadow anymore. He started forming more into like a person. I mean, as much as a ghost can. And he had on a dark blue jacket with a shiny metal buttons. Okay, so Ethan, I'm going to interrupt you just for one quick second. So you said he had on a dark blue jacket with like metal-like buttons. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but we told you in a previous episode that this hotel worker had been in the ballroom and she saw three people. You know, they were standing and the moonlight was coming through the three big windows there. And one was a guy who was wearing something like that. And the other was a woman. And then there was another man. I don't know. So, Ethan, what happened next? He was looking straight at me. So I went up there. I tried to record it because I did have a full battery at first, but then it was all completely gone. And this figure in front of me said, do you know who I am? And how do you answer that? No, Shadow Man, I don't know who you are. Well, I said, are you Robert Fielding? And he said, yes, young sir, I am. And I need your help. Now, during all of this, I had found Clovis again in the speakeasy. I went over to her, and her granddaughter seemed to be trying to calm her down. I asked her, are you okay? Now, back in the ballroom, the lights started blinking, and I got words that that didn't really make sense on our ghost app, the one that shows you what ghosts are trying to tell you. I got the vibe that whatever was doing this was really mad. I mean, it was erratic. And when I was in there, the word leave appeared. I know. I need to go get the rest of the squad. So I was on the mezzanine. The Robert Fielding ghost kept fading in and out. He had apparently used up all of my battery power from my phone. There was nothing to help him become visual. But before he had gone, he said, I've been the one talking to you. I'm glad you could understand. You can't let him get it. And I yelled, who? But he was gone. At that point, my dad was there looking for me. So I said, we need to find mom. Now, remember when we went to Fort McHenry in a previous episode and you could feel the walls for warm spots in the jail area? Well, I decided not to leave, even though the ghost was telling me to leave. And I'm going to feel the walls in the Calvert Ballroom. Remember they had these murals up there that were painted in 1944? And there I was, touching all of them. I'm sure the hotel loved that. And I got to one spot that felt warm. It was the mural that showed the Washington Monument. Again, that's in Baltimore. And y'all, there was a slash across part of that mural. Like someone had ripped at it. And I swear, I don't think that was there before. 
So I was in the speakeasy and trying to have a conversation with Clovis and her granddaughter was trying to calm her down. She said someone had asked her about the day Robert Fielding died, but she didn't remember who it was. Her granddaughter said it's something she doesn't like to talk about. Clovis then motioned for her to be quiet. And then she said, I can speak for myself. I don't like to talk about it because it's just hard. I was so young and I'd never seen anything like that. He was dead. I haven't seen anything like it since. She said, you don't remember a lot from when you were young. And by the time you're my age, you remember a lot less. But I can still see him. Mama took off running into the room where Hannah came out screaming. I followed her because I was scared. Mama tried to push me out when she saw him, but it was too late. He was slumped over, his head was turned facing me. That smell of bourbon, I can't ever touch that stuff because the smell just brings back that image. And I swear it took me years to eat eggs again. They were on his face like they had been shoved into his mouth. Horrible sight. That face. And I should have just told all three of you this the first time you mentioned Jonathan and Hannah, but I just couldn't go back there. I can't even go on that floor. My mother couldn't either. They had to move her a few floors down. I think the 16th floor, where you guys are. Now back in the ballroom, as I went to go touch that rip portion of the mural, I heard a voice behind me. It was Augustus, the security guard. And he said, well, that's a problem. And he got on his walkie-talkie. Please don't let him think I did this. Please don't let him think I did this. That's all that was running through my head. And he said, i got to go report this. And he left. Now, I was going to follow him, but I heard a side door open, and I saw Christopher just standing there. You know, our friend who works at the hotel? And he was looking into the side parlor where all the ghost activity had gone down. And he was talking to the lights. So I went looking for mom and found Ethan and dad instead. We went toward the ballroom and saw Augustus walking out saying something into his walkie-talkie. Something about mural and vandalization. And I asked Ethan and dad, what did she do? Now at that moment, I'm inside the ballroom trying to listen to what Christopher is saying. Let me tell you, at this point, I am hiding under a table because they all have these long tablecloths, so I don't think he could see me. I'm sure the ghost could, though. The whole production it took to get down there. Thankfully, I realized my phone was already silenced from the last time the ghost app went off with a bunch of people around. I mean, you can't look too crazy ghost hunting. But you're hiding under a table. With good reason. Anyway, y'all, Christopher had his own ghost app. And he was talking to Hannah and Jonathan, asking about the necklace. But see, I was thinking, had Jonathan and Hannah been trying to tell us that the necklace may be buried at the Washington Monument because that was the mural that had been ripped or slashed or something. I mean, it was built in 1815, just after the War of 1812, so it would have been there in 1929. But where could it be if it's there? That monument's huge. 
Now, all of these thoughts are running through my head, and I'm trying to hide from Christopher. They're crouched down under the table. I mean, you should have seen me. Which, to be honest, I'm shocked I was even able to get up from there. Without making a ton of loud noises. Yeah, because that's something that I do. But I did get up without making a loud noise. And I'm thinking at the time, we're going to have to go to that Washington Monument to find that necklace. What happened next changed everything. I learned something about my ghost app right then and there. It doesn't just transcribe what a ghost is trying to tell you. It'll pick up whatever it's saying to whomever in the room. Even to Christopher. You know, Jonathan's great-great. I don't even know how many great-nephew. And just let me say, during all of this and after the security guard had left, we went to go inside to see what Mom may have done. And we saw Christopher talking to the lights and tried to hide because he then turned and walked out the door. Now, Ethan and I jumped behind the desk in the coat check area and Dad ducked into a dark storage area. I mean, could you have picked a creepier spot? So Ethan and I are peeking above the counter and we see Christopher coming out and he's saying out loud while looking at his ghost app distracted them. Like the ghost tricked mom with that ripped mural. And then he said the word find handprint. And then he walked down the stairs. Now by this time, I was up from under the table. And I came running out to find my family there. And I'm trying to tell them everything as we ran down the stairs and reached the mezzanine. And we watched Christopher in the lobby below. And he was sneaking behind the front desk. And he had a key card in his hand. And Ethan then said, oh, you can say it. I told you guys, I know where he's going and we have to get there first. Coming up on the Low Budget Ghost Squad, there's a big ghostly showdown in the ballroom that somebody's been waiting decades to have. And we end up somewhere we shouldn't be. But did you honestly expect anything else from us? The Low Budget Ghost Squad is part of Spellbound Productions. Mom did all the writing, editing, directing, producing, and telling us what to do. Because we have no clue. That is correct. I can I can attest to that. And I want to say thank you to Lucinda Peterson for the artwork for the show. And of course, thanks to Allison and Ethan for playing along. And I really hope everybody's enjoying it. <laughs>